welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Father, we honour you and we thank you, Lord, for the time that we've already spent with you. Lord, you are so beautiful as we've just sung, Lord. Lord, would you grab a hold of each one of us today? You know what we have walked in here with? You know, Lord, the burdens that we are, some of us are carrying, Lord God. There is so much to be thankful for, Lord, and we honour you for every day that you give to us. Father, open our hearts to receive you. Challenge us today, Lord, through your word. We pray, Lord, that you will not let us go and we will not let you go either, Father. So Lord, just speak to our hearts, Lord. Open our minds. Help us to receive the Word that You have planned for us to receive. We thank You. We honour You, Lord, for all that You're going to do for us. In Your precious Name, Jesus. Amen. far more anointed Ehab spoken on it. (laughs) Joking. I use the microphones a lot here, so... Yeah, they're not very sanitary. We need to put a face mask on it. Just for old time's sakes. (laughs) Come on, the Lord is good. And He's in this place. Thank you, Jesus. We yield to You, Holy Spirit. Come, have Your way. Move in power. We're not here for a show. Not the kind of man show that we're used to, Father. And Lord, we're just just so sick of religion. Our hearts are open towards You. So come and do what only You can do. Move in the way that only You can. Change hearts, change lives change minds. I thank you today that it's an addiction breaking day today for someone. I thank you today that it's an anxiety breaking day today. I thank you today, Father, that it's an identity shifting day today. We give you praise, Holy Spirit. I thank you today right now that it's a body healing day today. I thank You today that it's a resurrection out of religion and into the new life, born again, filled with the Spirit kind of day for someone today. I thank You today for the person, Father, that's come in this place quite hopeless and lost, feeling unsure of what the future holds. I thank You that today is a day of destiny and purpose for them. I thank You, Father, today 
that today is the day, Father, that that nice Sunday church attender is gonna cap, capture, have a sneak peek on the face of Jesus and have their life forever changed. I thank You that that same person is gonna understand and receive the call of God for their life today in the Name of Jesus. Thank You for that, Holy Spirit. Thank You for that. Thank You for who You are. Thank You, Father, that in our flesh we don't deserve it. But I thank You, Father, that You called us saints and that the finished work of Jesus allows us through His grace to enter His throne room boldly, (laughs) without fear, just because You love us. So I pray today, Father, that You would speak to our hearts, change our lives in the mighty Name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen, Amen. Thanks, mate. Let's go to a few Scriptures this morning. Welcome back. It's a new year. Are you ready for the greatest year of your life? And I don't, I, don't even, I don't even mean that, like I'm not talking about money and jobs and Bentleys and things like that. Like God bless you if that happens, I wanna go for a ride in your Bentley. But I'm talking about a year where we get to engage and encounter the presence of Jesus like never before. And I'm, I'm really excited about, um, about us as a team uh, leading those that wanna come with us on a journey to get out of the road and allow Jesus to have His church back. Amen. And so I'm excited. I'm excited. But that means we're going to stretch you. We're going to extend worship at times. We're going to, for all of those very kind of um, ordered type of people, we're going to mess with you. (laughs) We'll never do anything that you don't want to do. It's free will, obviously, but I'm just saying that at times the run sheet will be broken. Um, (laughs) Someone said, praise God. One of our team, so that's awkward. Um, We'll take her off the email list for the run sheet. (laughs) Too good. But we're just really, 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 uh, uh, I suppose, I'm, I'm anticipating a year this year that we just get to draw close to Jesus. And um, that's the vision, right? Like if, you, if you've come to this church wondering what's the vision for the year, what's the word? I've been trying to think of words that rhyme with 23. <laughs> 2023, we are free. <laughs> 2023, I need a pee. <laughs> That's kind of where it goes from there downhill. Um, but the word, the, the simple word is just Jesus. And what I'm really saying is, is we, we, don't, we don't have that word. We just want to continue to rally around who He is. Yeah. And we want to take your Christianity from being a consumer Christian. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the person you're sitting next to. And what, we want to take you from being that consumer Christian that just attends a Sunday service and understand to, to the kind of follower of Jesus that understands that the Kingdom of God is within you. And you don't need a title before your name to know that you can move in the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need pastor 
or evangelists or global apostle to the nations. I was thinking of putting that on my business card. Uh, I'm funny in the new year, at least to myself. Um, but you know what I'm talking about? Like I'm, I'm trying to help you to understand and I want you to see, we want to shift you from just being that attender to understand that God's got you on mission in the world that you're in. You're, he's got a pulpit for you. It just doesn't look like this. Trust me, you don't want this unless you're called to it. Just like I don't want, want the pulpit that you stand behind, the stage that God's got you on, the audience, the mission field that He's placed you in. And so we want you to mature in your faith to understand that the Kingdom of God is within you. You did not deserve it. Jesus made a way for us so that we can have access through His grace. Something's changed in our life. That is that we've, we're born again. And as a result of being born again, we get to walk in the same kind of authority that Jesus did. In fact, we are joint and co-heirs. It almost seems not right to an unrenewed mind. It, it, it is not right that we would compare ourselves with Jesus. And I'm not saying in a worshipping way that we compare ourselves with Jesus. Obviously, He is the Most High, right? I'm not trying to make us, uh, this is hard to understand when you don't understand the Bible, right? But I'm not trying to make us like Jesus, but at the same time I am, because that's what He did. He, the whole work of the cross was to bring you back to that place where you're like Him. Right? Romans chapter 5. I'm off my notes already. This is bad. Romans uh, 4, 5 and 6. Powerful. I think it's chapter 6 that talks about how Jesus was the second Adam. And sin came into the world through the first Adam. And we, are, we happily accept the fact that we're born into sin. You know what I'm saying? I know this is a churchy church right now because when I went into Jesus' love of my soul, you were right there. So you've been in church for a while so you know the cliches, right? But you've got to know the truth, right? Because it's the truth of who He is that will set you free, okay? And so the first, we happily accept that the first, as a result of the first Adam's sin, we all became sinners. But we really struggle on the other side because we haven't been taught correctly that because of this last Adam, Jesus, Right? So the first Adam, we all became sinners. The second Adam, when we received the work of Jesus, we become like the second, we became like the first Adam. Now we get to become like the last Adam, Jesus. And so you have some kind of power and authority on the inside of you that you do not even realize. And it's my mission this year, it's my assignment to bring you to a mature place in your faith that understands that the environment, the atmosphere in the natural realm doesn't determine the authority that you walk in and doesn't change your identity. And today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about your identity in Christ. And so this year, I want you to make a commitment to yourselves. I want you to make a commitment to, uh, to know Number one, to know and to live according to the, your God-given identity in Jesus. We're not going to get through all this today. This is a big topic. It's a big topic. It's probably one of the most important topics. 
because I see believers living immaturely for a long time. You can be, you could have been in the church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, but not know who you are because you don't know Him. And you can be in the choir, you can sing, you can do all those sorts of things, but until you really wrestle and allow the Spirit to fight on your behalf on the inside of you, and until you yield and submit some areas of your life to Him, you're gonna be constant living, constantly living in this dichotomy of two different people, right? This one that Galatians tells us, this born again, new creation in Christ, where the old is gone. What does that mean? That means the past doesn't hold you anymore. The past to God has been cancelled through the finished work of Jesus. Or you can live on the other side of the equation. And if we're honest, the tension that we live in as believers is that we often vacillate between those two worlds, the spirit man, the flesh man. The spirit man, the redeemed man that is seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places and that carnal sinful nature that we're constantly wrestling with. And so this year, it's my prayer that you would know him more in order and so that you would know who you are. And why is it important? It's important because to live in purpose in this time and to be grounded in this life. I mean, think on the last two years, who would have thought in 2019 we would walk through those years where we were at home and, you know, I've just got back from Perth where, I've, where um, I grew up and my family are. We had a nice break there. But, you know, they talk about lockdown like they actually had a lockdown. <laughs> they're at the beach. They're all still as tanned as they were, you know. He explained to them that, you know, the, the, the different things that we went through. And who would have thought? But I... I feel that we need to continue to prepare ourselves and grow in our faith so that we can be the kind of people that we can walk through any situation and live out our purpose. And the only way that that's possible is when we understand our identity in Jesus. We also need to understand it because our world, the world system, the enemy has a vision for your life. He has a vision for your life. The world has a vision for your life. Our, this generation are bombarded by a, a projected vision from the world of what they should be. As they constantly scroll through what we call a feed, not just the young people, I've seen you. I've seen you. Right, it's true. As we scroll through our feed, interesting that it's called a feed, isn't it? Because as we're feeding ourselves, an image, a vision is being projected to us of what value and worth is, what success looks like. And all of a sudden we listen and we receive a lie, we receive an alternate vision of what it looks like for us to be uh, to be successful, valued and worthy as people in the world. And this vision is a strong, compelling vision. It's a subtle vision set out to seduce you, set out to get the church so close to the world, but just on the other side of the fence, right? 
where you can come to church and you can lift your hands and you can wear Christian clothes, whatever they are, skinny leg jeans, I don't know. And you can do all that sort of stuff, but you have a vision, your vision, the thing, the thing that you're living for is for value from the world rather than understanding that you've already been valued by God. And this is the tension that we live in. I also want to say on that point that this is primarily not a demonic fight that we are fighting. The the enemy has already been defeated, right? This is not primarily a demonic war that we fight. We must not be ignorant of the battle. It's real and we've got to be on guard. We must be vigilant. We must be prayerful. However, most of our battles are found within ourselves of the areas that we have not allowed God's Word to renew our thinking. That's what Paul describes. I've been going on about it, the spirit and the flesh, the carnal man. And often the spiritual battle, often the spiritual battle that we think is happening never starts. Like the true damage that the Lord has for you to do as a son of God often doesn't begin because you disqualify yourself because you don't understand your identity. And so you never really enter the battle. And so the the true battle is the thoughts that you wrestle with in your own mind about who you are and whose you are. And so before you start shunderabubbing and pacing up and down your living room, binding the devil, you've got to invite the Holy Spirit to come and investigate your life and your mind and your thinking and allow Him, the teacher, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the parakletos to come and help you because you are an overcomer and you are powerful. And so it's important to know your identity in Christ because otherwise you'll be trapped in a life that's always wondering whether you're good enough always wondering whether you can. You'll always be seeking permission from humanistic structures and people to validate what God has already put in your heart. <laughs> the Western church has been, I, I believe in, I believe in uh, leadership and I believe in, um, the, you know, the Bible teaches us that there's wisdom in the counsel of many. But I'm not trying to teach you to hear God's voice through me as your pastor, right? Now, I feel very comfortable that if correction is needed to be brought, it will be brought, right? But when we must approach God's voice with humility because if we don't approach His voice with humility, even the Bible with humility, right? What begins to what we need to understand is that we're broken people and so we listen at times through our brokenness. We listen through our own agenda. This is why church, the body of Christ is so important because that is the covering that we exist within, the body. And so my heart is for you to understand your identity in Christ. Otherwise you're gonna live this trapped in this life where you're not enough And see, your Christianity isn't powerful because Jesus isn't powerful. That's not the reason why it's not powerful. 
Your Christianity isn't powerful, it's powerless simply because you don't understand your identity in him. Miracles would be breaking out all over this place if we started to understand our identity in him. And so this is really, really, really important. Let me read you some scriptures today. And um, in fact, let's do this. Let's, I'm gonna give you my points. And then if you wanna switch off, you can. We're gonna go to Exodus chapter three and four in a moment. Um, but I wanna give you these things really quickly. Number one, I want you to write this down. Take a photo if you want. It's gonna be up on the screens. Number one, write this down. This is not a declaration. It's just a point. I'm not good enough. I want you to write that down. In a moment, we're gonna go through Moses' life. And we're going to look at some of the excuses in Exodus chapter 3 and 4 that Moses put out there as excuses of why not? Why not? And they all link to identity. Number one, I'm not good enough. Number two, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. Number three, put it up there, Michael, because I might have changed mine. People won't believe me. People won't believe me. Number four, another good excuse. I can't speak. Don't have the right ability that is required for the task and the purpose that God has for me. I can't speak. And number five, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. And I think there's an external thing that we think we're not qualified because we're always measuring our purpose with how the world does it, right? as opposed to the fact that God can anoint a stick. (laughs) God can use a stick to part an ocean if we give it to him. I'm not qualified. Let's go to some scriptures. You you go to Exodus chapter four. You can write these down as I'm reading them out. But I want to declare these scriptures over you and your identity today. I'm in this weird teaching mode, so just flow with me. John chapter one, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, it's not going to be on the screen. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John chapter 112 is trying to help you to see that because of the work of Jesus, when you believe, you now have the right to become children of God. What is this, what is this tension that we've been talking about? It's, this, uh, it's, the, it's the moving from being a child of God to not being a child of God. And Jesus, or the, John, the author of this gospel, is saying that you have been given the right. In other words, you have some authority in some realm and as a result of that authority, you can stand on that revelation that you're a child of God. Ephesians chapter one, verse five. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Doesn't matter who you are, who your biological parents are or who they are not. You might not even know who they are. That's okay. Because you have, according to God's pleasure and His will, been adopted. You have been adopted. You have a new home address and it's God's house, okay? Not this, I mean literally God's house. 
He loves you so much that He chose you and He adopted you. Romans chapter 15, 7, accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Did you hear that? I'm speaking into your identity here. You have been accepted. Okay, I wanna get all these scriptures out. This is important. You have been accepted. As a young worship leader, I used to, um, you know, when leading worship, think, oh God, I hope you move today. I hope you accept my worship. I hope you, I hope you accept what I've got to bring today. You know, and I used to judge my worship based upon some sort of goosebump you might get in the service or whatever, God bump, whatever you call it, you panties. Um, but the truth is, the truth is, is God accepted me. And so whatever I bring to Him, He finds as valuable. Can I take this into a realm that you might understand it? I've got four kids. Some are older than younger. As they get older, they start and mature. They start to understand more what Dad likes. But it doesn't change the heart of my nine-year-old and my four-year-old. It doesn't mean just because they understand more that what dad wants, you know, that dad's gonna love it more because I'm a father. And so my kids at time have done some really, really crazy craft things at school (laughs) and brought them home for Father's Day. (laughs) They've done the clay, you know, one, I got a coat hook one day made out of of clay. (laughs) I get all kinds of pictures of which I'm just a big round blob. <laughs> you know, I get all kinds of different different crazy things from Maya, who's, who's turned four last month. Even MJ on the way home, we gave him a whole lot of like craft and like arty stuff for, for Christmas. And he did these things, you know, did these drawings, gave them to me on the way, just before I was about to leave. Dad, can you look after these? They're really important. He's no Van Gogh, I'm just saying. (laughs) But you get it, right? You get it because you've brought them to your parents before or you have kids that have brought them to you. And the truth is, is that for the father, it doesn't, because I love and accept them, the value of that to me is incredible. So much so that Alicia and I have these boxes for the kids, one box each kid with all their whacked out crazy artwork. I'm not sure if she's preparing for a bonfire or what. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) The keepsake box. And I think that's how we've got to view our worship as we mature. It's always going to be mixed with the broken parts of our lives at times, but we come and bring it anyway. And God doesn't accept it because it's perfect. God doesn't accept the sound because it's in tune. God doesn't accept it because we know when to raise our hands or do the right churchy thing. God accepts it because He loves us and He accepts us. Colossians 2.9, I shouldn't be preaching, this is bad. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Did you, let me read that again. It's talking about your identity, fullness. So you feel empty like you're missing something? Listen to this. 
For in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead lives in bodily form. Amen. (laughs) And in Christ, right, we're now in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. I could just put the mic down, walk out of here, go home. Because that's the sermon right there. And he is the head over every power and authority. What's it saying? It's saying you're too worried about the devil. You should get more, worried is not the right word, but you should be more concerned, consumed, uh, passionate, give more time, energy and thought to knowing this Jesus because every power of hell is underneath the feet of Jesus. And because it's under the feet of Jesus and you are now in Jesus, it is now under you. You're not ready for me this year, I'm telling you. I haven't got to Exodus yet. Stop cheering me on. First Exodus 6.17. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. God, I can't hear you. Sometimes you don't need to. (laughs) Sometimes you don't need to. Sometimes you just need to take a step of faith. Lord, do you want me to pray for that sick person? He's not going to say yes or no, probably. Sometimes he might. I don't know, I'm not God. Sometimes he directly says, I want you to go and pray for that person. Yes, thank you. (laughs) So cute, I'm so distracted. It's my greatest church member right there. Come on. Look, she's engaged. Don't distract her, people. Seriously. Romans 6.6, 6, for we know that our old self was crucified. Come on, I'm talking right at you today. Please. Please, listen. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Let's just leave it there and I'll save the rest for another time. Your identity is important. Understanding who you are is important. See how it has brought out those four or five verses? And it just, just one little verse started speaking to you, right? Because I want you to understand who you are. I, want, I don't want you to keep wondering, um, do I have this authority? Do I, have, do I need to get the pastor's permission to pray for someone? Do I need to? No, you move in faith. And know that we're in an environment that number one is going to protect people. And number two is going to uh, create an environment where we want the Holy Spirit to move. But He moves through the body. And I'm just another part of that. There's nothing different to me and you. It's the same Jesus. Come on, people. So we want you tuning into this. Moses, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, I promise you I'll be done in about five minutes. I've already given you my points. Moses, is, uh, Moses is, is a castaway at this point in time. For those of you that don't know the story of Moses, Moses was rejected. Well, he was, he was, um, he was abandoned. That's probably not the right word either. His mother had to give him up in order to save him. And so... She made an ark, a small little boat, a little basket, and she covered that ark in pitch so it would 
float down the Nile River because there was a decree by the Pharaoh to kill all the baby boys. And as a result, Moses was put in this basket and by God's divine appointment, he wound up being found by Pharaoh's daughter and Pharaoh raised him. Uh, He was raised in Pharaoh's courts. This little Hebrew boy that was fully Hebrew, but by the time he came of age, he was fully Egyptian. He was fully Egyptian and he was fully Hebrew at the same time. In one breath, he was educated like an Egyptian. In all the wisdom and all the ways of the Egyptians, but in another breath, his heart was beating as a Hebrew, as an Israelite. In one breath, he looked like a Hebrew. In another breath, most scholars would agree that he would have been dressed in an attire fit for a Pharaoh. He might have had that shaved head with that cool little ponytail out the back. I don't know, that's what I see in the movies. The first mullet, I call it. But he was torn. You can see how this is a recipe for a giant wrestle within the man, Moses, where he is fully Hebrew and fully Egyptian all at the same time. Gets to a point in the start of, uh, in the end of chapter two, when Moses sees another Hebrew being abused by an Egyptian man. He thinks no one's looking, someone's always looking. And he kills the Egyptian man and buries him in the sand. Later on, he sees two Israelites arguing. And he comes and he says, what are you arguing about? This is ridiculous, you're on the same team. And they come back to him and say, who made you the judge? Are you gonna do to us what you did to the Egyptian? And being the system that they were in at that time, Moses knew that the only answer for him was to run. You will always kill something or someone, metaphorically speaking, when you don't deal with identity issues. How many churches have been killed because a pastor or a leader has not dealt with identity issues? Better off to get out of the road than to kill something. And so we find that Moses is broken. When we pick it up in 3.11, which we're gonna do right now, Moses is in the middle of an encounter with God who's appeared in a bush that's burning, but is not consuming the bush. So he was this castaway and he's in an identity crisis. He's been in the desert for 40 years tending his father-in-law's sheep just to add another layer of his identity into the mix. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign that that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, God of your fathers has sent me to you. 
They'll say to me, what, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. Let's go to chapter four, verse one, for the sake of time. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And so the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a rod, a stick. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground. It became a certain serpent and Moses fled from it. And the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put out your Put your hand in your bosom. We don't use that word very often. And he said, it's just easing the tension. And he put his hand in his cloak. I'm changing it. It's the Matt inspired version. And he took his hand out and behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and he drew it out of his bosom and behold, it was stored like his other flesh. Then it will be if they do not me- if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign, they that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be if they do not believe the two signs, I'll listen to your voice. You shall take water from the river and pour it on dry land, and the water which you take from the river will become blood on dry land. And Moses said to the Lord, "O Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue." So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have, I, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, I will be with you, you. Sorry, I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. But he said, O Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. I think that there are so many parallels in this story for how we treat the work of Jesus in our life. I think if we're honest, we wrestle, don't we, with this idea of I'm not sure I can. And we wrestle like Moses did with these five different excuses. And really these excuses are lies that we've learned to believe. And some of these lies have come from good places. Some of these lies have come from our own homes, just being honest. This is why I take my role as a father, I take my role as a husband, as a father, as the greatest calling other than to worship Jesus that I have in my life. The first church that I'm committed to is not you, sorry to let you know. It is my family and my children. I refuse to delegate their discipleship out to a church program. I refuse to get to the, when they're, when they're in their late teenagers, to have their lives formed by worldly thinking because of how they're consuming different forms of media. I realise they live in a world where I can't stop all of those things. But I'm not scared of those things because I understand the power of the gospel of Jesus. It is simply my responsibility to model to my children what it looks like to be a passionate follower of Jesus. 
I'm not interested in modelling to my children for them to become a good pastor or a good preacher or a good church leader or a good church attender. I want to model to them how to pray and how to read the Bible and how to have a devotional life at home. I don't want them to be the next, I don't have a succession plan where my kids are the next pastors of the church. My plan for them is to disciple them in the things of God so that they will love Him more than they would love their own lives. My plan for them is to disciple them in such a way that they would humbly lay down their lives before Jesus and realise that that is the greatest calling in which they can do. What that looks like beyond that is up to them and the Holy Spirit. But my commitment is to to understand that I have a responsibility. And in order to carry that sort of weight and responsibility, I've got to know who I am. I can't live behind these excuses anymore. Because just like Moses, you have a purpose. Just like Moses, God has brought you two into this country for a reason for such a time as this. And it's important, you're not here by accident. I know you're here probably uh, wondering what the future might hold. What does the next five years look like? But the Lord is speaking to you today saying, I've got you here. This is a divine appointment for you both. Part of our journey in our identity is laying down our excuses and letting the Holy Spirit speak to us. And let's just quickly go over those again. Calv, would you mind jumping up on the keys? Number one, the excuse that Moses had of I'm not good enough. (laughs) Is that one of yours? You don't have to wave or say amen. I think if we're honest and we really kind of dig deep, we can probably say that in some ways. I'm not good enough. And see, it doesn't appear always in that question of I'm not good enough. Sometimes it appears in other ways. Like sometimes it appears like this. I wish I just had that gift that that person had. I wish I just had that job or I wish I had whatever. Moses said in Exodus 3.11, said, who am I that I should go? Who am I? And it's the question for Moses, that wasn't a question of who am I, like God, show me who I am. It was a statement of him saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And this is a big mountain that you and I have to climb over. I'm not good enough. And I'm sorry, I wanna take the opportunity because I feel the Holy Spirit on this right now. I wanna take the opportunity on behalf of church leaders to repent to you for for over the last 20 years, church leaders creating a performance-driven environment. I wanna apologise to you for that because that performance-driven environment has shaped your identity where you've thought you have to be something, dress some way, have some skill set to be in the in crowd that are powerful. 
and it's so anti-Christ. And that's why we have an anemic church. But the truth of it is, (laughs) is that if you and I weren't good enough, Jesus would have never come. And this right here, I feel is just a part. This is just a, this is a doorway we're walking through. You individually are walking, you can walk through it if you want, but this is just a doorway for you to walk through of understanding your value and worth to God. If you understood who Jesus is and the men that He chose, to establish the church, they were absolute rejects. One of them was a tax collector, a corrupt tax collector. The rest had already been rejected by the religious system. They weren't smart enough. They weren't good enough. They weren't valued by the religion of that time. So they became what their fathers were and they went and did the family trade and became fishermen or whatever. But this is the work of Jesus as He comes up to you and He says, Lewis, you're good enough. David, you're good enough. Brett, you're good enough. You're good enough. And He's whispering your name today saying, you are good enough. We must allow the Holy Spirit to deconstruct our ideologies and our ideas of where we get value from in in order to receive it from Him. I don't have all the answers is the next excuse. Moses says to him, 3.13, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers sent me, they say to me, what's His name? What shall I say to them? I don't have the answers. (laughs) I don't know how it's gonna work out. I don't know how I'm gonna have the resource to fund the vision. I don't know if I commit to this, I'm not sure how I'm gonna have the energy to fulfil it. I don't have the answers. (laughs) I don't have the answers. And I reckon sometimes God doesn't want you to have the answers. The tradition that I was brought up in, which is the Pentecostal church, have really made God's voice very complicated. You need 35 fleeces, one of them's gotta be golden. You know, if you've been in the church for a while, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you've gotta have three confirmations. One of them's gotta be from some random person you don't know on the street. You've gotta have, you know, someone Someone's got to walk past with a blue feather in their cap. And if that's the Lord, then, you know, that's going to be the Lord and that's going to be God's voice. And, you know, all these different weird things that we make up. Jesus just simply said, come follow me. All right, Lord, I'm waiting on a fleece. You know, we get that from one of the Old Testament stories. If the fleece is wet or dry in the morning, then it's you, Lord. Yeah, great. Stop isolating one story and creating an entire theology around it. He's in you. 
He'll let you know if it's not Him. But while you're sitting on your hands, waiting for the voice of God to speak to you, now on big things for sure, seek Him, ask Him, inquire of Him, seek into His face, but know that He's gonna lead you to a place where you've got to take a step. And if you're that sure and there's no risk in it, it's probably not a step of faith. Because faith is, I don't have all the answers. And what I love is God's reply. He says, I am who I am. I am who I am. The third excuse is people won't believe me. The fourth is I can't speak, which is quite interesting because if you read Acts chapter seven, Luke, the author of the book of Acts, writes in Acts chapter seven that Moses was eloquent in speech. And I quote, he was eloquent in speech. And it's amazing what broken identity can do, isn't it? And it's robbing you, friend. And it's just right there available in the person of Jesus. I'm not qualified. He says in 4.13, Lord, please send the hand by the hand of whoever else you may send. Mm. I want to close with this last thought. Appreciate your patience. Haven't preached for a while. It's been at least three weeks. But we love the presence of Jesus. He says, who am I? That's the ultimate question that we all ask. Who am I? We often let the vision the world has for us pull us into believing a false narrative about who we are. And when the Bible tells us that we are transformed in Romans chapter 12 by the renewing of our mind, it's that journey and that process empowered by the Holy Spirit that allows us to live in alignment with our identity in Jesus, as opposed to the narrative that we've received through a whole lot of places. Our story of origin, different experiences and, and, uh, and significant moments in our life, our culture and our heritage, our education, etc., etc. But we must not allow that side of our life I'm not saying we disregard it all, but we must invite the Holy Spirit into that space so that those things do not become a barrier and a limitation to us walking in our Christ-like identity. I wanna give you the key. I wanna give you one key, right? One key. This is the most important thing I'm gonna say potentially this whole year so far. Maybe this whole year, full stop. Dad joke, sorry. But really, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I need to stop joking. This could be the most significant thing that you hear for this year. This could set your year up for something quite extraordinary. And it's this. When Moses says in chapter 311, he says, who am I? Listen to God's immediate response to Moses' identity crisis. 
Verse 12 says that God said, I will certainly be with you. The key to your identity, the formation of your identity into the image of Jesus. You've been carrying around these these burdens and these ways of thinkings and these patterns of life for too long. And the only way that you're gonna see an actual change. See, I love conferences, I love events, I love those things that we do and we go to and we have an amazing moment with God. But you will always come back your life. So, and then we have three good weeks of reading the Bible, praying. We think we get this new vision and this new energy to serve God. You know what I'm talking about? But you and I will always return to our identity and what it is. That's why God's not trying to give you a good experience. God's trying to change you in here so that you're not living this fake church life of I'm meant to love Jesus, so let's do that. And you're truly living out of prayer becomes a pleasure. Worship becomes a joy. Because you're not having to fake it. And He says this, He says, I will certainly be with you. Why? Because presence and formation are connected. Your commitment this year to break out of the anxiety on your life, to change your thinking, that habit around health or eating or whatever, you know, you start so good, but then it just goes. Why? Because it's an identity issue. It's not a motivation issue. And you're not gonna change it by coming to church. You're not gonna change it by reading another motivational book. They're all good. I love all those things. I'm all about those things. But your formation is gonna take place in the presence of God. Presence and formation, they're some of our core values we spoke about last year. Presence, formation, mission, community. Presence, formation, mission, community. Presence and formation are connected. And so presence, the presence of God, is like a greenhouse for our identity. It's like a greenhouse to form into the image of Jesus. Presence determines identity. So the question that we must continue to ask is what presence are we being shaped into? And the answer to that question helps us to understand what, who, and where we're hanging out. So can we make it our goal this year to spend time with the Lord? Would you stand to your feet? We're gonna close. This is important because we're being formed or shaped into the image of the presence that we, presence in inverted air quotes, We're being shaped into the presence that we prioritise. And so if your priority, which is communicated by your time, your energy, where you put your resource, your heart, your emotions, is in the things of this world, then you're gonna be shaped into that image. 
1 Corinthians 3 teaches us that. Beholding as in a mirror. We're changed into the image that we're looking at. So we're gonna be present to people. Can we pray? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, just spend some time just responding to this message. Just saying, Jesus, I'm here, change me. Come on, just begin to speak to Him. Wonderful Lord, wonderful Jesus, we honour Your presence today. Lord, help us to value Your presence. We've worshipped, we've come around Your Word. We've come around who You are. Lord, help us to be present to people. That's what we hunger for. That's what we long for. That's what we need, Jesus. We need more of Your presence. We need more of Your presence, Jesus. We submit and we yield to Your presence right now. We yield to Your presence, Jesus. We lay down our agenda. We lay down what what we're thinking about. And Lord, we just still our mind and we just honour Your presence right now in this place. Come and move with power. Lord, come and change our identity. Lord, especially for those that think they're not good enough, I wanna just pray for those people right now. If that's you, just lift your hands and let the Holy Spirit begin to touch you right now. You think you're not good enough. For some reason, you've listened to a lie and we just pull that lie down. We bring it into captivity right now in Jesus' Name. We declare that you are free and released from that lie that you're not good enough. Holy Spirit, I, I, wanna ex- I wanna thank You that You're changing that life for the truth, that they are valued and they are worthy, that they are powerful, that You love and accept them, Father. Lord, and I just thank You today in the Name of Jesus, that this is a moment where they'll mark in their diaries, mark in their life, they'll remember this moment, the moment that they found and discovered that because of Jesus, they are good enough, that they are worthy and they are worth it. And so Lord, right now, we just, we invite You, Holy Spirit, come and move in Your church today. Come and move with power in Your church right now. Come and move, Father, in the churches across this region, Father, the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Lord, we declare and we ask for a visitation of Your Spirit across every church right now, Father. Lord, just uh, encompass that's just down the road, Father. We pray a blessing over them. We declare it in the Name of Jesus. We declare Your favour and Your glory to break out upon them in Jesus' mighty Name. Lord, for planet shakers in 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 lower plenty, Father, and in the in South Morang, Your favour to come upon them, Lord. Bless them. Bless them in the mighty Name of Jesus. Oh, bless them, Father. Bless them, Lord. For the Catholic Church's Holy Ghost, would You come and would You move in power in those places? Would You move in glory in those places, Father? Oh, Jesus, for every denomination, the Church of Christ, the Baptist, Father, we ask, Holy Spirit, for Your blessing, Your favour. Lord, we thank You. We lift up the leaders of this city and of this nation, Jesus, and we declare a blessing over them. Lord, I pray that we'd be so so grounded in our identity, Father, that power and, and all those worldly and secular things, Father, would just be gone away with. We just declare, let Your Kingdom come. Let Your will be done. Let Your glory be released. I wanna prophesy right now that I see 
shopping centers, even this week encountering the presence of God because of a kingdom person that understands that they are worthy and that they are good enough. I want to prophesy right now in the name of Jesus, your home is filled with the glory of God. Just rest into it. Just rest into it. Just rest into it. We declare it right now. 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 We declare and we thank You, Holy Spirit, for Your power. For Yours is the Kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. We yield to You, Jesus. For those of you that uh, feel that you say, I'm going to say it like this because this is the nice way of saying it because I don't want any shame to be attached to this because there's no shame. There's no shame. We go through seasons, don't we, of ups and downs. I know I do anyway. Where some seasons I'm really hungry for the things of God and other seasons I'm just busy and bogged down. <laughs> and That's just the truth. But I just sense in this moment, if you, if you say, I want an increased hunger for the presence of God, I actually want you to just quickly come out of your seat. We're just going to do this. We'll be done. It's January. Who cares? We've got heaps of time. We've got all year to have short services, okay? So if that's you, you say, I want my hunger to increase. You might be a really hungry person for God. That's good. But you want more. Just come out right now. Just fill this front section. And we're going to have some Holy Ghost prayer time. Beautiful. Come right in. Just clear the aisles if you're standing near an aisle. Wonderful. 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 Wonderful, Jesus. Awesome. How good. Come on, let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray. Begin to pray. If you're in the seats, you're a believer in Jesus, feel free to get out of your seat. Just come and pray for someone. Preferably someone you know, if you're going to do that. If you're up the front, you want to pray for someone, you can do that. Thank you, Lord. Come on, you're good enough. You've got permission, you've got authority. God's given it to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm new to this church. Hey, we're all new. We've been for about two months. At least that's what it feels like. Come on. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. I need a hunger for you, Lord. It's what I want. And I'm prepared to do whatever it takes. I'm prepared to lay whatever needs to be laid down. I don't want anything in the way. I don't want any obstructions. I give it to You, Jesus. I give it to You right now. All my dreams, all my aspirations. Father, where they've become idols, I lay them down before You right now. I give them to You, my career. My gifts, my passions, Father. Even though I know You want to use them for Your glory, they became an idol to me. I lay them down right now. I lay them down right now. I lay them down before You, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. Is the kingdom Yours? Is the power Yours? Is the glory? 
is the kingdom yours is the power yours is the glory forever amen oh yours is the kingdom yours is the power yours is the glory forever amen yours is the kingdom yours is the power yours is the glory forever amen oh yours is the kingdom yours is the power yours is the glory forever amen oh yours is the kingdom yours is the power yours is the glory come on sing it again sing Is the power yours? Is the glory forever? Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Come on, some of you up the front. God's speaking to you to go pray for people. Go do that. Come on, we're just here for three more minutes. Thank you, Lord. Is the power. It's a glory forever. Is the kingdom yours? 
dismissed if you want to be dismissed. Calv's going to keep playing for a little longer. You do what you need to do. Thanks for coming. Next week will be a shorter service, I promise. My wife will be here to keep me accountable. God bless you. Come next Sunday. Come on, we're starting this year off big. It's going to be the best year.